This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Eller. If you're thinking it's just me on the microphone today, you're sorely mistaken, and I'll wager more inclined to stay throughout the show until the very end now that you know that. <laughs> because with me today are M1s and new co hosts, Jessica DeHaan. Say hi. Oh, hey, that was my cue. I, I didn't should have, realize that. Okay. I, sh- I should have informed you of how this works, right? <laughs> and Greta Becker. Hi, guys. And we've also got M4s, Hillary O'Brien. Hey there. And Kylie Miller. Good to be back, fam. It's a lady cast. <laughs> woo woo! Uh, before we start today, <laughs> like all good woo girl. <laughs> woo. Nice My heart job. Is a pitter pattering. <laughs> nice job. Uh, before we start, I've got two things to uh, go over really quick. Um, the first is our annual arts and medicine conference is coming up in October. It's called the Examined Life Con- Conference, and students get a serious price break from our already very low registration fees to attend, but we welcome all people who are interested uh, in the uh, in the links between the arts and medicine. Um, most meals are included. That'll get the students in the door. Uh, and our featured presenters this year include Kevin MD's Jordan, Dr. Jordan Grummet, journalist Stephanie Fu, playwright Ann Bogart, and more than, or nearly, anyway, 40 breakout sessions exploring the intersections of the arts, humanities, and medicine. You can find out more at examinedlifeconference.com. Uh, and the next thing is the Carver College of Medicine and the Writing and Humanities program also has a literary journal we released recently, as we do once a year. It's the Examined Life Journal. It's published every year. And this year's issue contains 45 pieces of poetry and prose, 244 pages of some of the best writing about health and the human condition. And that's not even including the bios, and the title page. So you can get your copy at theexaminedlifejournal.com. By the way, everybody who attends that conference I mentioned gets a free copy of the journal with registration. So anyway, I hope you'll, uh, I hope you'll join us for that. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, let's start off with a listener question today, and we're going to do something a little different than we've done before. I've asked our question asker to, is that right? I've asked our question asker to join us on the podcast. Amber, welcome to the Short Code Podcast. Hi, guys. So, uh, Amber, where are you calling from and what do you do there? I am calling from Denver, Colorado. Um, Mm -hmm. I am a full-time night charge nurse at University of Colorado Hospital. Nice. Um, Yeah, just got off doing three night shifts in a row. So, excuse me if I'm a little delirious. That's okay. Mm, You'll fit in just right here. (laughs) Perfect. There's no difference. Um, Well, we're glad you could call in today and ask your question, uh, which involves what we at CECOM lovingly call interprofessional education. Uh, What do you want to know, Amber? Um, I was just kind of wondering what the curriculum looks like as far as um, how nursing is built in, as far as different interpersonal um, different roles and how what education is provided to you guys as far as nursing and the role of the nurse. That's a fine question. We do have something called uh, interprofessional education here at Iowa. That's what we lovingly call it. Um, so, so what what do you guys remember, uh, Kylie and <laughs> and, uh, and Hillary, since you've actually been through IPE before? So, I think we entered into IPE during its 
growth and development phase. Um, IPE is just one of those things that takes a lot of legwork and kind of trial and error before you find a good fit. So I'm not sure how it will change for you guys. Have you had your first IPE session yet? No. No? No. Okay. Yeah. And that's like the more formal IPE curriculum. Good job. Excuse me. That was was hard for me today. (laughs) It's Friday. Um, Where like the first three semesters when we're in the preclinical phase, we meet with students from other professional programs like pharmacy students, speech pathology students, um, social work, nursing, mm-hmm. dentistry, um, dental. Dentistry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, I really liked the dental student in our group. They were always kind of like, where do we fit into this? This is kind of weird because especially like a lot of the pop, like yeah. populations that are more complicated and that we have to work with and stuff don't have like health insurance is really become, you know, more accessible through like government run programs or, you know, people get it through their employment, but dental insurance still is not. And it's a luxury for many people. And so the dentist, dentistry students were always just kind of like yeah sure sounds great yes you can edit all of that out but that was it was a fair enough weird dynamic so we meet with this group of people um about once a semester we are assigned to groups with them and we just talk about like our roles within like a healthcare team kind of try and figure out what everyone else's roles are and how we can work together um so that's kind of the more formal curriculum we have to work on projects and things too i would say where i learned most of like my interprofessional skills would be more just from clinical experiences of realizing the like great benefits of talking to your patient's nurse before going in to round on them in the morning because they know all the details yeah of like what happened like the patient mm-hmm. like they might know a few things of what happened to them overnight but like they don't know <laughs> they kind of know <laughs> they were trying to sleep <laughs> god damn it <laughs> the nurses know things yeah. the nurses yeah they're your go-to in the morning i would always check with the nurse before going into my patient's room if they were around and chat with them and nurses give great sign out to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I make it like after the night shift is turned over, they give great report. And it's as if like I couldn't tell who was there and who actually just got report. And they have like super secret access to things. I feel like as well, one, medical students, you're never going to be able to get. Mm-mm. So make friends with your nurses. And two, like even some of the doctors, I feel like um, don't have access to like supply rooms in the ER. No. So we're largely dependent upon our nurses and just our curriculums look different. So that first semester of IPE, they were like, talk about, you know, your your roles in each of your professions. And the med students are like, doe eyed, like still slightly traumatized from starting med school. And like, I just trying not to cry and like not miss the bus in the morning. Um, and I would like to help people. And the nursing students have already been in their like two years of program. And so much of their learning is at hand and like they're oh. getting physical experience and so they're further along in their time than you so are. technically they're like 20 years old because at iowa they do like two years mm-hmm. of undergrad and then they're two oh, years oh, of okay. like specific nursing so by the time they get there they're super young and yet know a lot more than the wet behind the ears medical students um, does that jive with your experience amber when you were went through nursing school? um sometimes so i think nursing school you get a little bit of everything, like you become a jack of all trades really fast, whereas it sounds like medical school, you go through so much more education and kind of delve deeper into stuff. So, yeah, I think probably two years along, we've probably been exposed to everything already. And we're just kind of trying to fine tune the like critical thinking aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've got in front of me. So, for instance, uh, uh, I think things are cha- changing um, in our IPE curriculum oh, nice. just for the sake of, you know, being accurate. Um, I think now the first two modules of IPE, the first two um, IPE tasks are online um, and not in person. Mm -hmm. And then the third one in the third semester, um, that is a point where everybody gets together. And Mm. and so maybe that sort of doe-eyed like med student (laughs) thing 
will be less of a of a um, of a thing now. Yeah, that kind of makes me sad a little bit because my favorite part of IPE was actually meeting with the other yeah. students. But I know scheduling with that many programs I think is it just was, such a pain. It was a nightmare. It's, yeah, it's been a nightmare. Maybe imagine. that's why. That I don't know exactly. Could be a lot of it. But I, and I think the social work is um, less a part of it um, oh, okay. than it was before. Interesting. Um, so for instance, it's such a unique perspective of like the different roles when you're actually in it and talking to them. And yeah. I've heard some places do like simulations with the different roles and stuff. So. Yeah. So in fact, um, the meeting that will take place, um, in October for the third semester med students and mm -hmm. whatever semester, everybody else is in the pharmacy people and the nurses and all that kind of stuff. Um, they're going to get together and go through a patient, um, encounter with a simulated patient, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they've got, I've got in front of me that, that set of instructions, which includes, you know, basic history, vital signs, meds, uh, labs, um, results, um, all that kind of stuff. And then some, some tasks to, to do. And, um, and yeah. And then, so there's just a bunch of, you know, discipline specific, um, questions that, um, you know, each group discusses and, and goes over with each other. And, um, sounds kind of cool. Yeah. I think. One of the things that was super hard or like super helpful in doing more like interprofessional work was like we have to learn so much within school and then our specialties residency training that we go through. And I still every day I'm like, wow, I have there's so much I don't know. I can never stop one of the IV machines from beeping. Oh, um, like, I don't know that that skill I'll ever have. <laughs> I can uh, silence it as a, as a 20 yeah. seconds as a patient. You know, I've been known to reach out and push buttons. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I'm just like now I'm a little more afraid to push those buttons when they're hooked up to other patients but have you seen the meme where it's like you know like you've got the 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 uh the sort of wall of of uh monitors and doodads and iv poles and things like that and it's like i challenge any doctor to know how to what to do with any of this shit i yeah, haven't seen so it true. but i wouldn't know the first thing how to do any of it nope uh um, like amber knows how to how to operate all those things no doubt um i think coming back to that though the the nice part is that i trust the teams i work with and i know how well trained they are just the more time you spend with them the more they kind of educate you on the floors and things like I've learned a lot from our nurses or our mm -hmm. social workers um here at the free mental health clinic um we have fully staffed um with an attending physician but then also the medical students pharmacy students with a pharmacist supervisor and then social worker with social work students and I learn more from them like in a weekend shift than I might on some like two-week rotations just how to get discounted prescriptions for my patients and how to write different things so it's more affordable or the social work resources we have in our town for patients. And like those are invaluable, like real life experiences. I'd say seek those out if that's something you want to do. Yeah, I would challenge everyone to get to know the nurses they're working with on the floor for like whatever rotation they're in. And just like know their names can go super far, especially in ORs. Knowing everyone's name is such an easy thing to do, but it's just, apparently it's just hard for some people. Um, and like, be considerate when you're in a patient's room. Like if you move the bedside table away from the patient's bed to do a physical exam, when you leave, move it back because otherwise that patient's just going to push, push their button and have their nurse come in that's, to move their patient table back. And that right. like takes a lot of time out of a nurse's day. So just be considerate of like the small things. And that's an easy way to like build relationships with the nurses too. Amber, yeah. you guys have med students that rotate through your unit. We do. We get a lot of med students and we kind of see across the spectrum of people as they go through the residency and med school and everything else. All right. So let's get into that. What's the worst kind of med student? Oh, uh, Come on, um, bring it. 
The worst kind of med student is the one who um, talks over you and like isn't willing to listen to what you have to say or like if you're advocating for something, it just kind of shuts you down. I mean, I think that's like all interpersonal communication skills, right. like being considerate. And I think that the trust and the respect that is between each other like goes a long way. And just having those basic interpersonal communication skills of listening and being respectful goes a long way towards gaining the other person's respect and trust. Uh, you know, when you're not being a consummate professional, Amber, in your field, uh, what do you really think about intern year residents? <laughs> Since, since Kylie and, 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 and Hillary will soon uh, be ones. We've got a while. What do you think, Amber? I think that throughout the whole <laughs> medical school experience, everyone is super overworked. And by the time you're an intern, you're probably just exhausted. And I remember my nursing school experience of cramming everything in and just trying to survive. Um, so I look at these interns kind of with a sense of, I'm so sorry. You're going to be okay. <laughs> like, I just want to hug you, hug the interns. So a little, just... little maternal, a little, uh, you know, I'll help you out. What was that? I'm sorry. Are you, are you uh, so you're interested in helping them out to the extent that you. Yeah. yeah. Like I, you know. Welcome to the profession. Let's all be a, a great team. Like, I, I think it's, I don't know. That is, like I, super, I have hope. A super helpful perspective mm -hmm. from the, the med student side. You know, we switch rotations. You're never somewhere for more than like three to four weeks. Um, and so even I'm on ophthalmology right now. And I only do that for two weeks. And I don't know where anything is. I don't know how the clinic flows. And so when there's an, like nursing staff or support staff, medical assistants who just realize how the med student schedule works a little bit or how discombobulated you can be with that frequent switch and just says, oh, hey, let me just give you a quick tour of like this clinical area real quick. That like means more to me than anything else. It puts me at ease. And then I know their name and I have someone to kind of touch base with and ask before I screw things up. Yeah. And, you know, from our perspective also, like I had a med student come up to me and ask like if they could practice IVs or something. And I'm like, I, I'm honored that you asked me, Let, let's go do it. Like I will show you all the cool stuff and we're going to do all the skills. And, you know, it's just, it's nice to be included and also considered, I guess. Um, so do you have any advice for uh, Kylie and Hillary to keep in mind as they embark on the next phase of their journey in a few months? Um, my advice would be be receptive to what the nurse is advocating for. I know sometimes it gets really hard and you're caught up in like kind of a following this protocol, following these steps kind of thing that it gets hard to kind of come off of that beaten path. But I find that the people who are willing to really listen and have an open mind and an open heart to what each other are saying, it really goes a long way to protecting the patient and making the patient have better outcomes overall. Well, you sound like a fantastic nurse, like a fantastic teacher. Holla. Um, I'm really glad you could uh, be on the show today and, and, and help us, uh, help us uh, uh, learn more about what nurses do and how they think and, and how they interact with med students and, and all that stuff. So thank you. Thanks, thank Amber. you guys. Thank I'm you. super honored to be, have been able to be a part of this. So thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, thanks so much. 
Dave, I liked that. We should do that more often. I think I'm, I think we might do that more. I yeah. love that she's like she's an actual like a working charge nurse and listens yeah. to our podcast. <laughs> right. How did you find us? And like that's really cool. Yeah. Shortcodes, if you have questions or topics for us to consider, send them to the shortcodes at gmail.com and we'll talk about them on the show. Your question is important because it means that I have to do less <laughs> to prepare for the show. <laughs> And also we can talk about what you want to talk about. You know, that's important too. I love the honesty. I, I try to be honest. Um, here's another question uh, from listener Fifi Trixie Bell. Longtime shortcoat uh, listener who unintentionally sparked what uh, shortcoat podcast historians now call the great keto war of the fall of 2018 on our show. She wrote in with this question. I emailed way back in the spring asking you to pick a day when you had lots of students in their clinical phase and ask them for their best patient stories. However, because I started the diet wars of 2018, my email went unanswered. <laughs> Since you said you haven't gotten listener mail in a while, I decided to try again. I like stories. So I would love to hear anecdotes from the lives of the co-hosts. So, who was your most memorable patient and why? I want to hear about best patients, worst patients, funny patients, any good patient story that stands out. Any, uh, anything to share? Well, first, can I? Oh, yeah. I, can I, you I, know I what? We, we have expert over we here. We have an expert over here that we didn't quite acknowledge uh, because uh, a ge <laughs> Jessica uh, is not just a med student. She was a PA. Uh, PA. Yes. She has. She is a yeah. PA yes. who is becoming a med student, which is kind of unusual mm -hmm. for us. Um, so we should talk a little bit about that before we answer. Fifi's oh, man, I was hoping I'd get by. I was, I was actually like, what were the diet wars of 2018? <laughs> uh, my question was, but that okay. That's okay. We don't have to get on that. She's, yeah, I feel like she's now at a second attempt of like, don't derail my real you question. You have to fill me in later then. Oh, definitely. Okay, so. <laughs> where were you a PA? I was a PA in uh, Ridgecrest, California. That's uh -huh. where the, her, um, not hurricanes, sorry. <laughs> I grew up in Florida, so we had hurricanes right. there. And then I moved to California and we had an earthquake in Ridgecrest just a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. A uh, couple there and they're still getting the aftershocks. Even like the week I left to come out to med school, we were still shaken. So. Kylie's a Californian. So yeah, we I were mean, talking. You know. We know each other's she's, areas. She's like out in the middle of the desert for context from Florida to desert to like now the lush beautiful Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we probably went like camping in some of the same spots too. It sounds like off the 395. Uh, so I did, I had a lot of, uh, I was a PA for seven years. Um, and so I had a lot of different clinical experiences. Oh man, it's, you, you know, you gotta be so careful. Like where I came from a yeah. really, I was working in a small town. So, it, you know, you knew everybody, you'd see yeah. your patient at the grocery store. I was also involved in like the, um, the planning commission of the town as well. So I had like a civic role that I really got to enjoy seeing the inside of the community. And um, yeah, you get to know a lot about your town. Um, and then as a medical provider, you've got to like figure out, okay, who do I like, how do I not let my face give away what I'm thinking most of the time when I see people in public, you know? And I had to come up with a rule of uh, don't, like if I see somebody that was a patient of mine, don't reach out and acknowledge them first. Let them decide to reach out and acknowledge me. Ooh, that explains a few interactions I've had around town. It is, and it feel, you feel bad because some, some, sometimes you feel like, oh, that person probably thinks I'm being rude and that I don't want to acknowledge them. But I had made the mistake sometimes of like thinking I had seen that person at a party. Like, oh yeah, I know you from, like, I know, I know you. 
And the person was like, I don't know. And they would get super uncomfortable. And then I'd realize, oh, oh shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew that was my patient like two months ago. And I just had facial recognition from the wrong location. So, you know, you, then I just kind of had to be careful with that. Uh, okay. So the question was like, man, I'm like, I mean, it's very unlikely that any of the people I saw would be listening to this podcast. So I, I had people, well, but we, we, you know, you know but we still have to be careful exactly. anyway. I'm like, what do I say? What do I not This is say? why, this may be why I didn't immediately answer Fifi Trixabel's email or put it on the show because I was like, how do we navigate this situation? You know, like it's hard to talk about people when you could accidentally give something away that seemed, you know, some, uh, meaningless or, or that seemed like it was de-identified, but which, you know, somebody listening closely and who actually knew that person might, I might be able to identify. I think I have with. something though, because I, this patient, I feel like this person would give me permission to, because she said one day in, cause she knew I was going to medical school. She's like, one day in medical school, you're going to come across something like this and it's going to be discovered and you're going to think of me. <laughs> okay, sure. You say so. So the story was this person uh, in a lot right by, she, this person lived actually across the, uh, area from like we had a lot in the same common area of our neighborhoods where there was lots of these desert bushes um and so she was walking her dog fell into the bush and then felt like ever since after that these like parts of bushes would grow out of her body and she felt this yes and or she, she or it actually was true <laughs> she well depends on your perspective there dave okay so uh you know, she was convinced like it's growing out of my body as we speak. And I was like, you know, I've only seen kind of skin picking behaviors with drug disorder, like drug use or maybe mm -hmm. certain psychiatric issues. And she was like, nope, it's not that, you know, I don't have those issues. And, um, you know, I said, well, she's like, she's like, I can pick it out for you right now. There's like one about to come out right here. And I was like, I really don't want you to pick your skin and like bleed all over the place right now. How about we just get an x-ray, you know, and see if there's a foreign body there. Mm -hmm. She's like, we'd be able to see that. And so, you know, she, I eventually convinced her at least to take the x-ray order. She never got it before the time I left. And um, it was one of those things where she was said, she's like, I know you think I'm crazy. I know this, but it's going to come out one day. It's going to come out, you know, that this thing can happen. Um, and so I was she like, well, felt things under the surface of her skin and was like, but was convinced like they were branches because she actually brought the branches like she's like I cut these branches off but this is exactly what it starts to look like when it's coming out of my body and I'm like well I've been scratched by those branches too and I've never had this reaction happen why not to me? I don't know you know so you and, and, and the reason I'm sharing I, that is because she told me you should talk about this what if and you should find yeah. out if other people what if it's this. true like I, mean, I've, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I could leave that job <laughs> until I knew we can harbor and grow fungus why not desert bushes yeah. we could become the next Groot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very empirical. I need to see the evidence and I wasn't able to ever get that evidence. So, wow. you know, there's things like that all the time where you're like, is this psychological? Is there something else going yeah. on? Or am I just, is there something below the surface, no pun intended, well, and that maybe I'm missing <laughs> here? She fits well here, Dave. Well, I, and I imagine that you have to like, I mean, you can't immediately jump to conclusions uh, when somebody's telling you something that seems just completely outlandish right no you can't in medicine you know and you because what if it's in some sense you never know true right yeah i think you always have to have that differential is this drug use is this psychiatric or is this true and it's just something that i am not aware of at this right. moment because there have hey, you could be the author of some incredible case study 
<laughs> you know, know, like trees grown out of this person. Yeah, I think in medicine, you always have to suspend that judgment for just a little bit enough to op- leave the door of possibility open. Um, or you might, because you even just think about some things we take for common today, like, oh, the fact that H. pylori causes ulcers, right? I mean, that was considered crazy until the doctor decided, I'm just going to eat, eat it yeah. and infect myself, <laughs> yes. give myself ulcers and prove it. You know, so. Men are so stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) Watch me give myself ulcers. (laughs) Sometimes on this show, I feel a little outnumbered. Yeah. (laughs) Too bad. (coughs) Yeah. So do I in society, Dave. Uh. (laughs) Especially in medicine. (laughs) Yeah. And then you have those encounters, especially if you're doing medicine in a small town where, um, you, it's easy. I think when you live in a bigger area to have that divide between these are my patients and these are my friends. But inevitably those two, you know, those Venn diagrams will start to overlap Mm. and you just have to carry that professionalism. So there were people that I would do certain exams on that are of a private nature. And we would talk to each other and be like, this never happened, right? Like when we leave this room, this never happened. And then that person would come to my husband's birthday party that same night, right? And that's, that's medicine, like, wow. you know, and that's just professionalism. So some of the, I don't know if that's crazy to some people, that's crazy to me, that's normal. And that's kind of what you have to do when you're in medicine. Hmm. You'll have that probably same experience on your like family medicine rotation yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Iowa students go out to like rural communities mm-hmm. and I was in a town of 5,000 people. Everyone knew everybody like HIPAA takes on a different kind of meaning there, but their kids all went to school together and he's like, oh, you know, i delivered these kids like I know you really like it was just kind of a weird dynamic to be an outsider looking in but mm-hmm. it'll probably feel very familiar to mm-hmm. you <laughs> yeah any uh any stories you want to share over there none that come to mind right now that's a problem I don't really have any funny ones it would be funny did, did any did were any did any patients affect you um emotionally or are you a you know hard-hearted uh <laughs> the latter do- <laughs> I have no heart so I have no soul so- I have something awesome. weird to say about Hillary. Is I I I feel like in a sense. Oh boy. <laughs> I feel like in a sense, oh. I crave Hillary's approval. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm putting I'm putting it out there right now. Okay. I was thinking about this last night because I was like because because um because we had a meeting. We were in a meeting yeah, together we yesterday. And uh, and as as I was leaving the meeting, I was like, "Yay, Hillary and 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 Kylie are going to be on the show tomorrow." And I was thinking like, I always feel like I want. Hillary to like me. Well, thank you. I, mean, I do like you. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm you, glad we I had think this it's chat. Because you're tall. Like, you just have a sense but of she also, But Hillary. But Hillary also has this like. I don't know what the what the word. She she. You're you're just like. She carries herself with gusto and gusto. I don't know. Okay, maybe. Yeah, she's she's. I mean, gusto. That's that's a word. Gustuous. <laughs> That's a creepy word. Gusto's better. I don't know. I, I, okay, I, I, I don't. This is not well analyzed. I don't know what the meaning is, but I feel like you know when when Hillary is like, "Haha, Dave, you made a funny joke." I'm like, "Okay, I've, I've made it. Today. I've made it today." Or yeah, that's a good point, Dave. I'm like, "Okay, well, I've done well today." I also I don't think my approval is that hard to win. I like most Maybe things you're generally. Just more, you're just not as. Uh... You're more economical with your like laughter See, and your words of affirmation. She's not economical yeah. with her laughter, okay, but maybe no. with her approval. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Dave, I'm sensing some issues here. 
I'm so glad we had this time. Yeah. This talk. This was great. Hillary. I'm so glad everyone's going to listen to it now. <laughs> no, you can keep it in. <laughs> oh, you have no choice. In this, she laughs. In this matter. <sighs> I think there are certain times, bring it back, that you're going to, when you see somebody, like there's that countertransference that reminds you of somebody else, a patient who could easily be your grandmother mm-hmm. or someone that reminds you of your dad, that you're naturally just going to kind of connect with those patients more. But then you're always surprised. And maybe some of the patients I connect with say says something about me. <laughs> but I did get a marriage proposal a few weeks ago. Ooh, from, uh, hey, from, hey. A, from a guy that was brought in by the cops. <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> that sounds about right. And um, that is very much like what I would really expect well. would happen with Kylie. Yeah. And he had <laughs> California ties and things. And so you start talking about we both experienced the Napa earthquake. And I was like, oh, he's like, I was living in Napa. I was like, oh, I was just down the road at that time. Like it was the first one I ever felt. And but other people just kind of they knew who he was. I was a I was on an away rotation. So we had never interacted before. And people just kind of like have assumptions about why he's there are like kind of quick to just get mm-hmm. the ball rolling. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, oh, I'm a little bit entertained by you. We can chat. We have some commonalities. And then there, there are patients that you end up spending a lot of time with. Like as someone who's going into emergency medicine, you either kind of it's that first 15 seconds. Do you click? Do you not necessarily? And I take care of patients the same either way. But some patients rooms you just want to hang around in longer. Um, but then there are rotations. Um, my sub internship on medical psychiatry I was on the unit for four weeks, and that's a unit where patients spend a long portion of their time often, um, and sometimes they're just sitting because there's not a better place for them to go. So I had a patient on that unit who had dementia, um, and he was otherwise pretty medically stable, but had had issues on other units, and family just felt better with him on that unit. And for four weeks, like you get there in the morning, and you know what he has for breakfast, you know what he's going to have for lunch. He had a huge appetite and was like this big older man who had played, you know, college athletics and things. And so we would, he had trouble with verbal issues, but we would play catch in the afternoons. We knew around the time that he was going to get riled up and you can get kind of this uh, anger and things like that with dementia. So we would play catch in the hallway every day and he, it was just something he could focus on. And he didn't know my name, anything like that, but he still knew like, oh, that's the person that like going to play ball with me Mm -hmm. and so these people just kind of like become your your friends your way of life Mm -hmm. for like a month and you care what happens to them and that can be kind of hard and you want to follow them as students like you know you can't go into charts for reasons you don't have reasons to like learn from or things if you're not in in patient's care Um, but there is some leeway that we're given to like follow along the patients that we do see for continuity and to kind of learn from those experiences follow up on questions we had and what as we rotate off service, like what becomes of certain mm-hmm. like issues in patients. So that's something that. Yeah. I've also heard like students sometimes go back, like even when they've finished their rotation, they yeah. sometimes go back and check up on a patient and visit with them and say mm-hmm. how, how it's going. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was like one of those patients for me. And I got to know like his family um, and they were like, Oh, like you're the, the student he like that can calm him down in the afternoons. And um, when he passed away, I came across his obituary um, mm. on like a local paper. And it was one of those things of, the first time I had a question, like, hmm, as providers, like, can we go to services? Like, hmm. you know, I it, he was somebody that I, like, really would have just cared. He had led this amazing life, and I only knew, like, a very small portion of it. But it, I feel like it would have been you a neat experience. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I found it after the fact. Sure, Like, sure. it had already happened. Mm-hmm. But I feel like family would have been appreciative. And on TV, you see sometimes, like, doctors go to those sorts of things. Or, like, mm-hmm. just people show up. You mean on TV? On TV shows. Yes. <laughs> and I'm saying, so, like, I don't know if that's a common practice. 
I doubt it's common, will. but well, I mean, common. every once in a while, I mean, there's somebody might, you might develop a relationship or, or somebody might affect was. you. In a sense. I did that one did time and it was really rewarding. Mm. Yeah. I was invited. So probably if mm-hmm. I hadn't been invited, I wouldn't have known, like, am I welcome? Yeah. Um, and I think you are. Uh, but I had that same question. So I, I was invited to this one because I knew the family pretty well. And uh, yeah, it was so cool to see like, because you're right, I only knew this person like at the end of his life. Yeah. And to me, there was a, when I thought of this person, there was a diagnosis that came to mind and I didn't know what his past profession was as well. But then I went to the funeral and like you family members came up and had like bags full of letters that he had written to them throughout his Mm. life. And you just, it, it, it humanizes, it completes the picture. And then it made me think about like, how much more do I need to be doing that? Like applying that holistic picture to all of my patients. So it was very good experience. And like, I don't know when you go like, have write a good obituary for yourself. Like there was so much, <laughs> this was full of information. I'll keep and that I, in mind. <laughs> usually they're not written. Yes. Yeah, I don't think they were. Little, His was so possibly well a little closer to that yeah. time than you guys are. So you never know. Even, even only knowing him in the context of like dementia or as a hospital patient or things like, I had suspicions about like what a great person he was. Mm-hmm. Um, then going back and re like reading the obituary, I was like, wow, he is even like cooler than I mm-hmm. thought. This mm-hmm. is like, he's led an extraordinary life. Yeah, there's some faith in humanity, like given back there. Mm-hmm. So Greta, how will you deal with the uh, inevitable marriage proposal from a patient that- uh, It happens. Uh, I don't it know. Does, yeah. does it happen? I mean, and it happens. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We'll do you have a plan, Greta? Do we need to, a, a do we little, need to have a, a role playing? It's funny because I'll be there. There's <laughs> a wedding ring around your finger. Yeah, we practiced our first interviews this weekend. I'm with the <gasps> ER doctor, oh. and oh, um, he was like, uh, oh. "Oh, I don't know, Doctor Lee." Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, "You always need to be sitting down when you're interviewing the patient, except that if someone <laughs> has a past criminal history, then that's the one exception where you should be standing <laughs> near the door." Which I I thought was still kind of insulting. Like, I feel like I'd yeah. take the risk and still. Well, and I wouldn't sit. say like a criminal history. The things we criminalize in this country, some of them are debatable. Yeah. But I'd say if they have a, a history of acting out violently. It's not yeah. wrong to Which is usually, yourself, yeah. You got to find that balance. Usually there's some sort of documentation in the chart yeah. previously. Yeah. There's some sort of incident that's happened. And typically as a med student, you won't get asked to go into those rooms. <laughs> or as another shout out <laughs> to our awesome <laughs> nurses. <good. laughs> um, I've had like male nurses who've done like the triage or something and come in and be like, hey, I don't want anyone to go in this room alone. And yeah. like you look out for each other. Yeah. But good on Dr. Lee. So how did your inter- interview go? Um, it was good. So I was interviewing my fake patient who had a broken leg. Um, and everyone said I did a good job, except for that the patient, the med student that I was interviewing, who was pretending to be the patient with a broken leg, said that I was too nice to him. Um, he wanted like less sympathy when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that you fell into that hole. <laughs> Some people are like that. <laughs> but everyone else was like, I just loved how nice you were and how like uh, approaching you were. And then the guy that I was interviewing was like, you were too nice. You had a like, utilitarian okay. patient. He <laughs> next was time like, I'll... just get the job done. I want efficiency. Yeah, next time I'll be like, I'm glad you fell in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me take care of that other Yeah, leg. Sorry, about, sorry about you falling in the hole. Suck it up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember was the first one. That was scary because you never. That's something I never actually like thought about. Like before coming into medical school, is like there was a process to talking to people that you learn in med school, and I never had given any sort of thought to that process that you have to learn before like having that first patient interview, and you're like, "What am I doing?" Yeah, <laughs> like, and I feel like you want to go th- how to talk to people. 
you want to go through the list of old carts or whatever, <laughs> but you also just want it to be like a genuine conversation. So mm-hmm. it's this like double that I want to fulfill all of the questions I'm supposed to ask them, but I also want it to sound like a normal conversation. Yeah. yeah. You never forget there. your first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Dave's face. <laughs> As much as you may want to. Kind of all forgotten. (laughs) 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 And and the after show credits. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, (laughs) Do you feel like you have my approval right now? Because I'm laughing pretty hard. (laughs) That's the only reason I did it. I was like, Hillary's going to like this one. That's awkward. <laughs> oh, yeah, it gets it gets more natural, and it you'll does. Good. you'll feel it. Like just kind of you'll settle into a rhythm and be like, no one I've interviewed has like freaked out on me. You get you're like, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that has happened? On even when I'm like on bad off days, and you just walk into the room and things play out. Yeah. yeah. Do you find uh, people are pretty understanding of your um, relative lack of experience when you're interviewing people? Oh, no, they have no idea like what our part is. Compl- Some people None. do know med You fake it till you make it. Oh, yeah. If Just, you come in looking unconfident, they will eat you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Wow. <laughs> like your cat when you're asleep, they're like, ah, they're dead. I'm going to munch on their appendages. Yeah. <laughs> Learning how to walk confidently into the patient room and just introduce yourself and tell them your role for that day, like that will yeah. take you very far. It doesn't mean you act like you have all the answers. No. Just but... like, hey, I'm a med student. I'm just going to talk to you for a while and get some information. And then we're going to go mm-hmm. chat with the doc and bring them into. It's evolved as like now being a fourth year and having like four months of emergency medicine will make you feel like you you've definitely experienced some things. Like I've got a few chest hairs now. And so when I go into the room, I will now that progress. That a hormonal problem. Check that tea. <laughs> Endocrine <laughs> consult right there. Where's Dr. Hall? Oh, God. Um, I, I will start to kind of explain my differential to them it's mm-hmm. in a more straightforward thing. Here are some of the things that we definitely have to rule out. I need to make sure it's not your heart. I need to make sure it's not a blood clot. Um, and those are just kind of now knowing the algorithm that we're going to go through and saying, but it actually, it sounds very much like this and this is what I'm most concerned about. Or if I know I look at a laceration, I'm like, we're going to need to repair this. Um, it could be done with glue or sutures, but I'm going to talk with my attending physician and see, you know, kind of what they think, have, take a look at it. And I think the patient feels more reassured because they're getting multiple opinions. They don't know that your opinion literally does not matter, but that they're having multiple people interact with them and it, patients feel more comfortable and they get more face-to-face time with providers where in the ER especially, it's very busy People come in quickly, leave quickly. Um, so a med student is just another person to listen and empathize with them. And people respond really well to that usually. Mm-hmm. Have you ever accidentally overstepped your bounds when, you, when you're when uh, you providing a patient with information or or thoughts about what about treatment or anything like that? I don't think I have. And usually if I give any like sort of advice or like talk about the differential or talk about treatment or anything, I was like, these are what I'm thinking right now. But like, I'm still going to run this all by yeah. the doctor. Like they may have a completely different plan or whatever. Yeah. And I like thought the patient now is like, hmm, this is what I think, but I'm not totally sure. So we're going to go, go check it. Well, all right. Um, you guys, uh, ear ass. Eris. <laughs> Actually, I want every listener to like, let Dave know. Call in and just leave him a one word voicemail. Is it Eras or Eris? <laughs> and we're going to tally them up. This is next week's this conversation. This is the electronic residency application system. <laughs> Which closes, uh, which opens two programs uh, this weekend. 9 a.m. 
on the Sunday. F- it on opens Sunday. and effectively closes on the same day. Does what do you mean? Really? You well, no, it doesn't actually so, close, but like so. What you, I mean, what, you should. There's a window what I mean of by ten op- days for submission. Last year, this is the first year they're trying like this kind of rolling submission. Mm-hmm. Everything submitted between September 5th and September 15th will be time marked September 15th, 9 a.m. So programs don't know when you necessarily uploaded it but last year everyone tried to do it and the system crashed on a one-day system so they've kind of lengthened the submission process Mm -hmm. um but programs usually do like one big download and then anything that kind of lags will either it'll be quite a while before they review it or like could not get downloaded so that's why you want to have it in by the deadline yeah Yeah. so that's what i mean by effective okay like that makes sense if you if it is even remotely at all possible to have it like submitted by the 15th or on the 15th that's what you're planning. And this has always been the advice, but now mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Uh, you guys submitted a personal statement. I haven't yeah. submitted yet. Or you will yes. sub- by then submit a personal Today, statement. Today, hopefully this afternoon. So we can get lit tomorrow. What did, what did you- Go Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Well, Iowa <laughs> State's going down. University of Iowa. It's Iowa versus Iowa. So we need to be a little it's more It's a rivalry. It's a rival yeah, big week. football week for us here. By the time this comes out, we will know whether or not- We were triumphant. Sports ball- happened the way sports we wanted it to happen i guess you do not have my approval right now <laughs> sports ball this, I is will the say. Other, this is the downside of letting hillary know that i want her approval oh, this she's, is gonna be she's, great she's gonna withhold it or uh what what did you write about in your personal statement i wrote about why i want to go into ob um kind of how i started it and ended it is i've had a long history of being a patient unfortunately with various things um kind of the one big one that i wrote about is i had toxic epidermal necrolysis Whoa. when i was 20 what is that um so mine was in reaction to a drug so it's basically like a very very, very an antibiotic <laughs> yeah oh yes <laughs> super fun <laughs> was it um crack cocaine or <laughs> drug in the loose term of the word um so like it's basically how i would describe it is like a very severe allergic reaction where your epidermis starts to separate from your dermis and forms like blisters all over oh. your body oh so gosh. it's like you're having burns all over your body oh. on all your mucous membranes and skin so i was actually a patient here in the burn unit for nine days when I was in college. Um, So I kind of wrote about how that affected me and how that kind of led me to medicine and led me to want to care for patients in like longitudinal ways, like I've been cared for by my physicians. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wrote about that a little bit. how know. different was your personal statement for residency from your personal mm-hmm. statement for med school? Oh, good question. Well, I did talk about it in both. Okay. Like, um, but then like the one for residency is very like OB-GYN specific. Like this mm-hmm. like experience mm-hmm. affected me in this way. And that's mm-hmm. why I want to like specifically do OB-GYN. Mm-hmm. And then just like I talked like specifically about like the aspects of OB-GYN that like intrigued me and like why. So it was like very heavily focused on OB-GYN. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. like my personal statement from medical school was more just vaguely like why I want to practice medicine. Because I want to help people. Maybe the first half was similar and the second half got a little more specific to OB-GYN in that residency. Maybe like the first paragraph was similar-ish okay. and then okay. it was more yeah. specific to yeah. OB-GYN. I'd echo what Hillary says and being part of admissions and reading a lot of different personal statements and things for friends. Um, if you made really specific career goals and projections for yourself in your medical school <laughs> personal statement, we don't take those very seriously. Most of them don't pan out. And we're <laughs> like, cool, you're going to be a cardiothoracic surgery uh, surgeon in like Southern Texas who spends three months of the year doing uh, PFO closures on kids in the Dominican Republic. That's cute. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to take that 
at face value, but in your <laughs> residency application. And for those of you out there applying to either med school or ERAS, um, I can't do it if I cannot say ERAS, then um, I thought ERAS was easier. There's less hoops to jump through and it's just less time consuming than med school applications oh, were goodness. and you don't have set secondaries. You just go straight to interviews. So Thank giving God. you guys yeah. all that heads up, it gets better. Um, there's just one fee at the top. Oh, yeah, but it's still a lot of money. <laughs> so then how soon after you submit the application do you get interview? Um, usually, I, yeah, within like a couple of weeks, like some people right away and then nice. yeah, it depends on the specialty. Yeah, it depends on the specialty, depends on the programs you're oh, applying to, like if they like mm-hmm. start looking at applications the next day and then they'll start sending out interviews. If they like to wait until your MSPE letter, which is formally like called the Dean's letter comes out, that comes out October 1st. So some programs don't extend interviews until your total package is complete after that letter goes out. So it really just depends on the individual programs. But mm. I don't know. I have my notifications on my phone. So yeah. I, I remember last year. I remember she last year. Apple my, watch just for this. No, I didn't buy it just for this. <laughs> I wanted one. And I would have. a good excuse. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, you're good. In my interview here last year, I remember there was like for the case-based learning exercise, the two fourth year med students had their oh, like yeah. phones in their hands the whole time because they said that they were just like waiting for yeah. a resident. I'm to call them. literally going to like tell my attending I'm pooping my pants every day so I don't have to go into the OR um, on my next two week rotation. <laughs> I have dysentery. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't go into the OR. I might poop at any time. <laughs> I'm having surgery next Friday. So I'm like, who is going to watch my phone? Like someone needs to monitor my email address in case I get oh, interview God. invites. Like I need someone yeah. on top of this. I mean, you know, this is not something you want to mess with. I remember oh. in the days before. Um, <laughs> you could pay me to do it. In the days before f- smartphones, uh, you know, before everybody was carrying them around, um, it was kind of a big deal. Like you had to remain fixed in place uh, or you felt like you did. And if you didn't, I mean, you could miss something mm-hmm. and, you know, miss out on an opportunity. How are they being alerted? Like, was it coming straight through their school director and then their school director notified? I don't or? remember exactly. Okay. I don't know the exact details. but I, I, Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was definitely a different experience. And, and now everybody's glued to their to their cell phones makes it a little easier. But if you didn't have it, I mean, I remember that there was a time when people were like, oh, I'm a fourth year. I got to get a smartphone now. Um, <laughs> that's cute. That is cute. That was now me it's my just fourth year of high school. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting experience, but like yeah. everyone's going through it together. As opposed to med school, you're kind of applying and no one really knows what you're doing. It's true. Especially like, as non-traditional students, Hillary yeah, and I were three both. of us here. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so like people around you aren't necessarily doing I'm the same thing. Assuming. But we had <laughs> grass parties, some of which literally just turned into like wine and queer <laughs> eye watching with friends. But what what, what were they intended to be? To like to work, work on, on your on application. Oh, okay. Like yeah. work on your personal statement, your activities, that sort of stuff. But I read my roommate. She read mine. Like, oh yeah. There is a lot of during this time oh for sure i've had a lot of friends read mine and like people leave little comments like you're a badass like i mean any residency program's gonna watch you like mm-hmm. man and just, just makes you feel good yeah, every time someone submits in our group message like a bunch of gifts get sent and people are like woo like sending you all the good vibes oh it sounds um, nice i wish i was applying to residents <laughs> <laughs> Shaking your head, no no uh did you have any anyone professional look at them yes <laughs> like your mentors and people yep. like that yep I was yeah. Did you get any gifts from your mentors? <laughs> gifts? Oh. Um, no, I did get really good feedback. It was like knowing you as a person um, and reading this, it paints a good picture of who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think communicates that to programs well. Like here's a couple little like word swaps I would do or like clarifications from somebody who's 
in the specialty and also has known me throughout the last few years of med school. I don't remember either of you coming into the Writing and Humanities program. I did. did you? I met with Jason. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I made an appointment so that I would have a hard and fast deadline to write my personal statement by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so it was effective. Yeah. It was not. I just really struggled. I'm a person that when I write, it's in the moment and it's all at once. And I do very little revising. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that is, should not be the way for most people. But well, I we'll see, won't we? ended up just sitting down, had a white claw. And shout out to any of the PDs <laughs> listening to this when they see it on my CV. Yeah, I was White drinking. And we were, are not sponsored by White Claw. No, we would like sponsored. to be, you know, <laughs> no grammatical laws when you're drinking claws. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat and I just like, I wrote it out from the heart and I felt like it really told the story and it stated my career goals. Residencies do want to hear more specific things. What do you, where do you see yourself going? Let's know if you're a good fit for what they have to offer. And it just all flowed out and there were only like changes in commas and a few words in sentence structure. And that was it. Wow. That's impressive. That Same is not way the way it goes school. for everyone. No, 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 but I, I cannot write little by little. Like I have to, I had to have protected hours set aside to just pound it out. Sure. So, And a friend was in the, like we were both working out at the same time, just quietly with the coffee house playlist. Because mm-hmm. Emily, Hillary's playlist. And yeah, so there's, there's support during yeah. this time. And yeah. just enjoy M1 year while you have, I would love to go back and do it all again. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, yeah, that ARS, URAS so. support system is much more in place than it was when you were applying to med school. But, yeah. Or like in my experience anyway. Yeah. How was so. the biochem test today? You guys had your cheat sheet day? Yeah. 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 My cheat sheet. Coming up in 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, no. I thought you already had the test. No, no we have it at your one. Heart. No. Yeah. Well, you know, you get to this point where it's the law of diminishing returns with studying. And so there's oh, a certain you point where you're, just, early. you're <laughs> just like, okay, now that's well, really early. <laughs> you know, it's, if I study like the last hour and a half up into the test, I might get half a question more right. Is it really worth oh, it? No, As someone who sped read the biochemistry chapter out of first aid in the parking lot of the step one testing center, I don't know. <laughs> wow but you have a different method than, yes. yeah i am i am a, a person of, of she's such methods. an she's such an emergency yeah medicine. she is she's and, an all or nothing and that's what i talk about in have any of you guys seen like vegas vacation with like chevy chase yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Long time the, ago. when they go out to the desert and he like pours out the box of snakes and he's like ah oh, we don't need a babysitter i'd dump this out it keeps kids busy for hours <laughs> and they're like running around catching snakes um my mom always said like that was me mm-hmm. with a puzzle or like a good storybook and that's the only way I could like sit down and stop and like you know she could be like okay good she's yeah. not going to do anything bad for an hour got no and, trouble believing that uh that's what I wrote my personal statement about that the ER has good stories and puzzles and it's just always been the fit for me so well we do have uh, some samples of uh, personal statements on our uh our website um <laughs> yeah, you know we like our, I'm sorry to say that uh, people who aren't college of medicine students can't get to them but I did uh grab one um and uh, I decided that one possible method of composing a personal statement is the um well we'll call it for the purposes of the show the the bad ribs since I'm sure the real thing is uh, the real name is uh, copyrighted um, but I have asked you each to uh, give some parts of speech to fill in the blanks on this personal statement, which was for anesthesia. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll read it to you. Uh, hmm. I have found that through med school, I liked what? Oh, I hiked toward real time <laughs> whale. <laughs> I enjoy when things are happening from minute to minute right there. And you have to. Oh, this is hard. And you have to spank what to do next. <laughs> I enjoy using town now that I... What? I enjoy using town. It's a noun. It's a noun. Yeah, it is noun. I enjoy using... 
Oh, I enjoy using towns that have real effects now, and the challenge of deciding how and when, how and when each is abrasive. I enjoy the field of anesthesia for its lazy challenge. <laughs> uh, that was actually so fitting! <laughs> nice. Spectacular. I majored in psychology in undergraduate because I had a, des I had a desire to cry more, more about the human... More about the human trump <laughs> and what makes people fly. I challenged myself. <laughs> I challenged myself quickly after undergraduate when I worked in basement. I worked in the basement. A lot of research labs in the basement. <laughs> I worked in the basement teaching sloth. <laughs> okay, again laziness and, and coaching Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And coaching studying. Uh, I discovered a new challenge of learning Russian and experienced the tired, the tiredness at night for not physical reasons, but because my mind was so drunk. <laughs> wow. This is so seriously. This should go in the examined life journal. Yeah. Uh, after that, Shameless plug. I decided to undertake the most excitingly challenging endeavor thus far by kissing medical school. <laughs> With tongue. Kissing medical school. Like Sean Mendes. <laughs> that's not a student. That's a, a cultural reference. Yes. Okay. Dave did not understand what did that was. Did not at all. It's on Instagram yeah. right now. Oh, I have a really good ER one to show you. The challenge of anesthesia will require me to be on my clavicles at all times while trying to stay, while trying to stay two rings ahead of my toe. I also enjoy the field of anesthesia for the ears on aspect. I grew up a young watch <laughs> who loves sports and anything outdoors. One of my current favorite pastimes involves our, f our, our family's enema on Lake, on Lake, the heck is that? Jackson Hole? <laughs> on Lake Jackson oh, that Hole. that worked out, that worked out. <laughs> Nestled up to the lake, our small cabin has given my family many Skittles. From putting in a, from putting in a ceiling to laying, to, to laying headbands, we are finishing the inside of the butt ourselves. <laughs> Is wait, there a butt wait. on the boat? <laughs> I find it extremely singing to use my hands and do a job well. Thus, oh, I look forward said. to, oh, thus I look forward to being spackly, sparkly, sparkly, in, <laughs> spackly. <laughs> thus I look forward to being sparkly in anesthesia and improving my technical clouds. I look down to this challenge. <laughs> I anticipate a career of continued heckling on my own part, and I hope to bounce others to do as well. <laughs> it is with guilt that I look forward to my future in anesthesia. Yeah, they should. So that's one approach. You don't have to do that. It's, you know, it's a suggestion. For all you M3s out there pending what you'll do next year, we'll make this fill in the blank available online for all of your personal <laughs> yes. statement needs. Yes. Uh, well, that is our show. Uh, Jessica, Greta, Hillary, Kylie, thank you for hanging out with me today. Yeah, it's fun. And for your approval, Hillary. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, thank you, Shortcoats, for making us part of your week, for all your feedback, and for your supportive merch orders over at theshortcoats.com slash store. Still working on a t-shirt. Keep an eye out. If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are available. We love answering listener questions, so send your questions and comments to theshortcoats at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORTCT. We'll talk about it on the show. And hey, right now, while your podcast app is open, give us some more stars in a review. We appreciate that. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Kate DeCherry. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.